Yle Podcast. This podcast series is based on my experiences while making the documentary film Who Was Felix Kirsten? The film is about Heinrich Himmler's mysterious personal doctor and the revelations that followed. The reason for making this podcast is that after finishing the documentary, well, suffice it to say that the Felix Kirsten story never really went away. Episode 6, The Unexpected Masseur Kirsten's life changed in one single miraculous night. Imagine, Berlin in 1923. The war was lost. On one hand, the whole country was deeply mired in an unsettling political turmoil. On the other hand, some people were still able to enjoy life. And joy was found in the new kid in town. A new kind of media. Movies. According to available documents, Felix Kirsten had been working as an actor in 1923. In his own story, he writes that he was so poor that the daughter of his landlord took pity on him and bought him a new set of fancy clothes. That woman will play a major role in Kirsten's life onward until his death. The mysterious Elizabeth Lubin, who was 12 years older than Felix, but is destined to become his lifelong friend, secretary, as well as his housekeeper. So, this is the biggest mystery of all. Over a single night, Kirsten inherited not only Dr. Coe's practice, but also his well-heeled wealthy customers. And Elizabeth Lubin knew exactly how everything should appear to the world. Author Joseph Kessel describes in his book, The Man with the Miraculous Hands, how Elizabeth Lubin helped him choose the right kind of an apartment, car, clothing, and so on. Felix Kirsten's career, and it seemed that he had been desperately seeking the right one, suddenly skyrocketed in one single night. But are there any traces left of Dr. Ko? Who was he? Recently, a cultural anthropologist, Tapio Tomminen, released a book about Felix Kirsten where he writes at length about Felix Kirsten's time in Berlin during the 20s. Hello. It's Hello. John. Hi, glad to meet you. Okay, hopefully this connection works. So I'm Tapio Tamminen, and so it's very nice to meet you. <laughs> Likewise. So, yeah. Well, it seems that all of us are kind of uh, fascinated by Felix Kirsten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you now have uh, released a book about Felix Kirsten. We have been trying to find any traces from Dr. Kaur, but we haven't been able to find anything. And we were just wondering, that: did you find anything? Or is that just a story? Because what is amazing somehow is that in one single night, Felix Kirsten inherited his practice and what are influential and wealthy customers. Of course, that's uh, some kind of miracle. But uh, that's the story based on Kirsten, of course. Yeah. And what you mentioned about that Dr. Kors, I didn't find also any trace. But uh, also I think that nowadays it's quite impossible to confirm the story of Dr. Kors. It may be true or not. In my book, actually, I speculate a bit by the idea or the question, would it be possible that Kirsten believed that he has got some sort of information through supernatural sources? It seemed Tapio didn't know much about Dr. Ko either. I also tried to contact Arno Kirsten, Felix's son, again, but he didn't answer my emails nor my voice messages. I left a message for him. Then he finally responded in writing. 
he wrote that he had seen the messages. But given that already 20 years ago, his side of the family was not happy with the final outcome of my documentary about their father, that, contrary to their hope, had shown their father in some unfavorable light. I tried again by writing as sincere a letter to him as possible. Dear Arno, thank you for responding. I know very well that the film did not quite satisfy you and your family. I sincerely started to make a documentary of a good Finnish masseur, a forgotten hero who operated in the middle of darkness. But I have to admit that at the end of the day, I had more questions than answers. As a documentarist, you have to rely on documents and facts that you find. As in this case, I was not able to just echo the same story I first read in your father's memoirs. For me, the various findings from the Finnish military archive to just name one, that your father was actually fired from the Finnish army was something of a surprise, as it must have been for you as well. This week I read Tapio Tominen's new book, and there I found that very same detail, now stated as fact. But that's the way it goes. When we find more documents, history takes on additional dimensions. When more conflicting stories arose, the only thing I could do as a documentarist was try to shed light on the detail from as many perspectives as possible. I also wanted to listen and cover the whole range of historians who researched the time and life of Felix Kersten, and I think I managed to do that to quite a successful degree. The only mistake committed in the documentary was to include David Irving in that estimable group because it had weakened the overall credibility. But managing interviews from legendary figures like Hugh Trevor Roper and Gerald Fleming, even though the latter wasn't willing to go on camera, Yehuda Bauer, Louis de Jong, who I know you don't hold in much esteem, was in itself an accomplishment. Until the very end, I thought that Hugh Trevor Roper, who was one of your father's most influential and strongest supporters, would bring up more substantial repudiation from the refuting side. But that hope never materialized. As time went on, Trevor Roper's overall opinion has turned more critical. I still have the transcript from that interview, and you're certainly welcome to review it. So what was I to do? You were also enormously sincere and exceedingly helpful. In this podcast, I'm actually following the process from a very personal point of view. For me, it's very much a trip down memory lane, because I still want to fully understand the extraordinary life and journey of Felix Kersten. I'm also most interested in hearing how you personally feel after all these years marked by both overwhelming praise as well as attempts to discredit the credibility of your father's story, which you have valiantly and vigorously defended all along. Your father continues to be an interesting and mysterious character who had played a unique and unparalleled role in the scene of war-torn Europe. In addition, as we are all human beings, I hope that you will accept my request to let the series reflect your invaluable perspective as well. But Arno's response was brief, and the same. He said that they had called a family gathering of the Stockholm branch, and their consensus was to respond in the negative. At the same time, I happened to make contact with Andrea and John Kersten, who are also grandchildren of Felix Kersten, and who also read Werner Neuss's book, and had also been in contact with Neuss. I happened to find myself in a film festival in Lübeck, which is a stone's throw away from Andrea's hometown. 
we arranged to meet for lunch with Andrea and her mother, Cherstin. Hi, John. Are you there? There he is. Hello. Hello, John. Here's Molly. John and I came away with the feeling that they do not dismiss Noyce's theory right off the bat. And, although they find the claim to be of a speculative nature, they admit that many details and facts unearthed by Noyce were credible. Yes, I had different feelings while reading Werner Noyce's book. Of course, this was in the beginning a story I couldn't believe. This is, what, what is he telling and I was started to make small marks while reading, how can he tell that? This is speculation. But I was impressed. I had to admit that he did good research and I was impressed by that and I couldn't deny his story. Yes. My brother and I, we were talking about it and this is something we have to go further or respect. The story of our grandfather has to be told in another way. This is uh, maybe true or maybe not true. Nobody knows. There was still no real proof. There are a lot of speculations still. Both Andrea and John, of course, were raised on stories and a different narrative common to the whole family. But ultimately, the bottom line for them was that they want to arrive at the ultimate truth. Whenever I talked about Felix Kirsten with my father and with my grandfather, I was always wondering what kind of person he was. I was not questioning his what he did under the Second World War because you were always told that he was the hero. That wasn't questioned in the family. I was more interested in what kind of person he was at home and what kind of doctor he was as well. His physical abilities with his hands. I was very much interested in that. And I read his books. He wrote three medical books, which are very hard to read because they are written in a really boring way. It is clear in his medical books that he was a well-educated man. In his medical books, you get the impression he knows what he is talking about. He uses very medical expressions. He knows about the nerve system. He knows about a lot of medical aspects. Although he didn't study medicine, he was far ahead of the... To be a doctor. To be a doctor. He wanted to be a real doctor. You can read that between the lines as well. It's like he really wants to be seen as a real doctor. He wants to explain the impact his hands have on the human body. That's his saying in all three books. And he doesn't get into details on how he did it, though he's not describing his way to examine a person, but he's always talking about the importance of the doctor himself. He was well educated. At least Uberti is one who at least started to study medicine uh-huh. and was a medic in the forces. Yeah, that's kind of uh, an interesting side note. He wanted to be someone. You read between the lines when you read his medical books and his other books. It's hard to read because you can feel that there is a person writing the books who really wants to make an impression. Uh, Once they told us about his time in Berlin that he was acting. Yes, he had an acting career as well. From the German film archive, you find one film which is forbidden for children. I don't know what reason, maybe it was a horror, but it's Kinderverboten, made in 23, Geknechtete Seelen or something like that. And Felix Kessen was in this film. Playing that, one of the big roles. But that was in the wild 20s. (laughs) (laughs) 
1924, he also signed an agreement with the film script where he was a director, Felix Fehler Gelsten. And 25, he started his maturing. Yeah. We, I mean, nobody knows and nobody can tell is that uh, who was the Dr. Ko. Yeah. yeah, that's total mystery. I was uh, thinking about the time from when he started to learn the massaging and the time that he had entrance to the high society in Berlin was very small. Only four years, five years from being mm. a beginner to getting into a high class, high society, very well paid with a practice in Holland and in Paris. It was yeah, very yeah, quick. Yeah. Actually, only one year, because you have to count out uh, when his film career. Okay, <laughs> sorry, I missed that. <laughs> and that was explained that he took over Dr. Cole's yes. um, patient. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And things were only getting better. The Queen of the Netherlands came to Kersten and asked him to move to Holland to become her husband Hendrik's personal therapist. But he became this title Finnish's Medizinalrat, yes, yeah. yeah? Yes, he got that in 1942. It was actually a request from the Finnish-German embassy. It seems that the Finnish government were using him as a source of information. So they were request that we should probably give some... Some sort of double agent. Yeah, yeah, more or less that's the case. For example, one letter where they are asking President Rutte that they should give Felix Kirsten the title Medicinal Counselor, uh, yeah. Medicinal Rat, and uh, Medal of Knighthood yeah. of the White Rose. Yeah. And Rutte has written there, wouldn't the medal be enough? <laughs> it's not a medal be enough. He didn't want to give him the title, okay. Yeah. It was a surprise that uh, we know that there are a lot of written evidences that Felix Kirsten was a member of the SS, for example. But then it means Felix Kirsten was a Nazi. I think that's one thing that uh, you never know. You have to remember the times. Either you pledge uh, loyalty in order to survive. That's how it is. But I mean, you know, at least there are some indications, that's for sure. This is something totally new to us. It was always stated that he was not political at all and didn't want to do anything with politicians. He only went into to Himmler because he was afraid of not doing or not following his command. I hear from you, it gives a picture of a man who doesn't do anything by accident. I think that fits a lot with, he told his wife as he was dying, It will be many years until the truth will come up. Really? Really, yeah. It will be many years following until the truth will come up about me. 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 Until the truth will come up. The podcast is directed and realized by Arto Koskinen. Written by Arto Koskinen and John Bernstein. The voiceover of Arto Koskinen is dramatized by Trent Pansy. Sound design and music is made by Kimmo Vantinen.